You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com. Okay, our next presenter is going to be talking about avoiding penalties. And this is one of the more important ones. I don't want you guys to feel threatened that running for office is dangerous, that you're going to get thrown in jail, that you're going to get fined millions of dollars, because you won't. Very few people do. You know, Every election cycle, we have a few people who have to go in front of the election commission because they forgot to file this, they forgot to file that. We'll talk about that if that happens. But we want to avoid that because, like Mike Cole said, you don't want to give money that you could have bought flyers, poll cards, t-shirts, and send that to the state election division. So it's a waste of money. So we want to talk about how to avoid penalties, what you should and should not do, what you should and should not file, how to do that properly. Our first presenter will be Mark Rutherford, who is a former state chair. He was state chair for eight years here in Indiana. He's a lawyer here in Indianapolis. And then our second presenter will be Todd Singer, who was the previous state chair, and he'll be talking about federal candidates specifically, because there are a lot of differences between running as a state candidate and a local candidate, and then the federal candidacy, because of our friends McCain and Feingold, it's just a totally different animal. So we wanted to bring on Todd, who's an expert at some of the federal election uh, campaign finance law, to talk about that. So without further ado, please welcome Mark Rutherford. Thank you, Chris. I'm Mark Rutherford with Dreischer, Bushman, Griffith, and Vocal. Glad you're all here. All of you kind of tired, full of pizza, I take, take it. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up. Get up. Get up. While you're standing up, I want you to remember, I'm Mark Rutherford, Dreischer, Bushman, Griffith, and Vocal, PC. Okay? Now you can sit down. Okay? So now every time, every time that you stand up or sit down, you're going to remember Mark Rutherford, Dreischer, Bushman, Griffith, and Vocal. Now I've done it. It's worth my while to talk to you. It's always worth my while to talk to libertarians. It's wonderful to see a bright, exciting bunch of people who want to be candidates. I also talked to a couple of you who aren't so sure you want to be candidates, but you want to help candidates win. And that's very important. So what I'm going to say right now is the stuff I'm going to talk about is for the two or three people who aren't going to run. Why are you talking to me, Mr. Rutherford? Well, the reason is you've heard everybody talk about the good advice, your campaign staff. What I'm talking about is what things that the candidates, you as candidates, should have an idea that exists. And you should know that they're there. But you're going to have to get your lawyer friends, who may or may not be able to do it for free. Oftentimes lawyers, though, if they like your, your, what you're doing, will do it for less. Your people, like Todd Singer, even though he's not a lawyer, he's an accountant, he probably knows federal election issues in the Libertarian Party better than just about anybody else, with the exception of maybe one or two people who have been uh, in the whole party on federal stuff. Those are the people you want to get as your advisors and to learn this. One thing to remember, everybody makes fun of Indiana, and to the people on YouTube who are looking at this, I want to tell you that Indiana is a little bit more, I'll use the word progressive, than other areas in a lot of ways. One is our Secretary of State office. We have a long, long history of both Democrats and Republicans trying to run it as nonpartisan as possible. Sure, they get into their partisan tiffs. But overall, it's very good office, very good resources there. Usually it's accurate, and they have great materials on their website. The materials that you should have all picked up, I hope you did, 
The very last page will be my last slide that's here. It has the web addresses you go to the Secretary of State's office. Campaign guides, campaign finance manuals, the forms, uh, uh, statements on how you do disclosures and when you do disclosures. <coughs> All that stuff is in there. It's a lot of stuff. If you're a lawyer, you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, it's Christmas, I love this. If it's all of you, you go, it's this crap, it's confusing. But it's there, and it's pretty, in pretty good, uh, uh, usually English, not always, but usually it seems to be in an understandable form. So I want you to avoid penalties in the fog of campaign finance and election laws. Who gets thrown in jail? Let's start with that. That's what everybody likes to know. The treasurer, okay? Don't tell your treasurer that because they won't do it, okay? <laughs> Usually that's the way it is. But don't worry about it too much because that's reserved for the most hideous and awful examples. But one thing I want to tell you all, and one thing I think you all should understand and realize is very, very important, is that we're dealing in a political world. What does that mean? Those penalties are there. What happens when you have the unreasonable person who has the control to get the prosecutor to file charges? So you need to have these in the back of your mind because most of the people we deal with are reasonable. We may have our partisan fights with our friends in the Republican and Democrat parties. But you've got to remember that sometimes, as you've all seen in the papers and the TV, they get pretty brutal. And being fine, going to administrative hearings, going to court, in my mind, unless planned strategically, doesn't get you votes. So why do you avoid penalties and in the fog of campaign finance election laws? They're not reaching the voters. Let me tell you the converse of this. Why does you start picking up steam? What if your Rex Bell? And you're starting to pull in the 30% range. That's when you get people nitpicking the campaign finance laws and filing complaints. Why? Not because you may or may not have broken a gray area in campaign finance law, or even about so far as clearly broken one, but it's not a big deal, fine, maybe appropriate, whatever. It's because it's diverting you from your task, reaching, talking to voters. Campaign finance laws. Just going to talk about them generally. I'm not going to talk about the forms because if you look at the candid campaign guide, the one they have up there is now is 2008 on no. the Secretary of State website. 2010 came up today. I checked this morning and but it, it didn't come up. But I'm glad it has. That's good because it's about time for it to do so. They have a table of contents. You look at the table of contents and it lists all types of different offices. One thing to remember is. Do away with the old wives' tales that go around every organization and every campaign. Look on what applies to your office, because everybody's different. Some people have to do certain things, file things at certain places. Others have to do other things. For example, running for statewide office, it's kind of Byzantine, I love that word, Byzantine way to do things, because you have to file your candidate paperwork. And then you have to do financial. Then you have to do uh, uh, statements on your personal finances. And you've got to file that at one place and take the receipt at another place. And you've got to file campaign finance forms on a periodic basis. And you do it all at the Indiana Election Division. But if you're running for Indiana House, you've got to file stuff at the Indiana Election Division. But you also have to file stuff in your home county. 
So every little thing is different. And if you run for some certain smaller offices where, you make, uh, where your pay is $5,000 or less, you can ignore campaign finance law. So depending on what you're doing, you need to know what the rules are. So that's why I'm not going to go into that, because that takes take me hours, and most of you wouldn't care less. Because you're going to run for township office, but you're going to run for secretary of state. Two different sets of rules, even though it's in the same system. So you have to have the advisors who know the rules. But generally, you need to know this stuff. Campaign finance laws, you have to keep a record of contributions and expenses. Must be filed on a regular basis. When it must be filed often depends on the office. But generally, if you're a libertarian, it's around primary time if you're already a, a candidate or already have what's called an exploratory committee. Exploratory committee is one where you file the paperwork saying, I think of what, I may be running, but I'm checking it out, but I'm raising money. A regular candidate committee is one where you're going, hey, I've got the nomination, and now I'm, ra and I'm raising money. But if those are open at primary time, and some of our candidates get tripped up on this, the primary disclosure laws for campaign finance apply to you. So think of that, before and after. The other thing that applies to us is we have conventions. Guess what? The rules on conventions apply to us too. Does it sound silly? Yes, but that's what it is. We want to avoid the fines because filling out the form and taking the half hour to do it and getting it put in the proper place is a lot better than spending a whole day or a half day at the Indiana Election Division before the Indiana Election Commission trying to say I should be fined or I made a mistake and I should be excused from paying the full fine. When's the other time that you have to file stuff on campaign finance law? Generally before an election. Ten days or so before an election is generally where it is, the cutoff. Some of it's 20. And also, the size of the gift or the type of gift may say when you have to file something. Because for certain races, or for most races, in the state that is, if it's a certain, over a certain amount, you've got to file something really quickly within 24 or 48 hours. And then you have to file soon thereafter the election, usually. Now, and you have to file at the beginning of every year. Those are the kind of major things to look for. The other thing to remember is, as long as your committee's open, you gotta keep filing. Otherwise, you file a final piece of paper that says, I'm disbanding my committee, it's over, it's dead, it's done, it's been fully cooked. Must be filed on a regular basis. Files require increase their primary election time. Primary filings, often for libertarians, are some limits on contributions from some sources. That's a big one. Unions, corporations. But here's the thing why you need to trust the advisors and people who know what they're talking about. An LLC is not a corporation under Indiana law for purposes of campaign finance. Only a lawyer would think that's a beautiful statement and wonderful would know that. <laughs> but if you're a normal person, which all of you are, limited liability corporation, it must be a corporation. Well, it's not. Remember that. We're in an Alice in Wonderland world here. Words don't mean what they mean. They mean what the legislature has said and what courts have said and what administrative agencies have decided that they think they should say. Election laws, exploratory candidate committees, those are the type of committees that you have. You must file quickly after raising money to declaring candidacy, whichever comes first. Don't read the statutes, because the statutes say something different. This is how the laws apply. 
Okay? I've had many libertarians come up to me and say, I don't need to do this because I haven't spent $100. Forget that. If anybody tells you that, they are probably right. But the law says, the forces of the law say no. So just do that, okay? You don't want to take that fight on unless you really, really want to do that, and that's why you're running, and you want to spend the thousands and thousands of dollars on the court case where you just might win. But I don't think you're going to get any voters doing that. Must be amended when facts behind filings change. Simple one, uh, uh, the treasure changes. You have a treasure, overword, move that move, job change, whatever, got sick. Uh, you have to do that in a timely manner after that. Um, and also, some offices require financial disclosures of your personal self. Statement, I forget what it's called, statement of economic, whatever it is. But you, you have to on some certain offices. Usually it's the statewide offices uh, that you have to do. Now, one thing to remember is that I'm talking about state offices. That's Indiana. Todd's going to be talking about federal offices. And let me tell you one thing about federal offices and state offices. How many of you have a doctorate in federal and state election law? None of you. If you don't have that, I strongly suggest that you do not coordinate state and federal campaigns. Can it be done? Yes. How do you do it? Pay me $230 an hour for the next 10 hours, and I might be able to get you through how to do that. I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just trying to tell you that's the reality of it. The law is very confusing. So don't do it. It's just, in my opinion, personally, it's different. Sam Goldstein and State Chair of the Central Committee, they can make policy decisions to make that effort to decide how to do that. And they have the resources to maybe help you do that. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own, because there's so many traps out there. And that's when you get into major, major trouble with the FEC. And that's a bad thing, because the FEC thinks finding you $30,000 is not much. Now, what happens if you do not take campaign finance laws seriously? Fines, thrown off the ballot. Get the ballot, get your form. I'm wrong. Okay, guess what? I can sue! Yay, yay! We'll get like Ohio gets. It's a decision two years after the election that we win, but you really lose. Now, Ohio had no choice. They had to keep suing. Their strategy was the only thing they had left to them. But when we already have ballot access, big deal. You're, you're not going to probably get anything done. That's my opinion. Doesn't help you reach voters. Again, most campaign finance laws have criminal penalty and they are occasionally are invoked. A lot of times you sign forms under the penalties of perjury. You get some aggressive prosecutor thinks they can make a name out of yourself because you're a fraud because you lied and they can prove you lied on your form, then you're in real big deep trouble. You don't want to do that. There we go. Rule one, no assumptions. You must have trusted lawyers and other ones familiar with the law. Don't assume government officials know laws they often do not. Let me repeat that. Don't assume government officials know laws they often do not. Let me repeat that. Don't assume government officials know laws they often do not. Rely on your trusted advisors. Rely on your trusted libertarians. You can talk to them and ask them, and they might help you get the answer. County clerks are traditionally inaccurate with misinformation. Lawyers in the Indiana Election Division are highly accurate and helpful. 
In fact, oftentimes we've called them and they've called county clerks and tell the county clerks they don't know what they're doing. But that's the, that, those two things are the state right now, and also county clerks, it depends on where your county clerk is. Some of them are more accurate than others. Okay, I guess we didn't want to number two. Rule three. You're going to read rule two later. Proofread, proofread, and proofread. Yes. Oh, I've got one up here, too. Okay. Our opponents are scared of this and will try to use technicalities to remove you from the ballot. Our opponents are scared of this and will try to find any news errors on campaign finance forms to hurt us. If unclear, do not assume. If the form is not clear, seek advice. Remember Alice in Wonderland. Do not assume you know what the words mean in the law. And remember, it's all enforced by people who are usually not libertarians. Rule 5. Proving you're correct in court is extensive. I don't recommend it unless, you know, baby needs shoes. Please hire me. Rule 6. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, especially if you're not the party in power. Remember that. So you have the responsibility to know what is going on and how it's going on and what's going on. and Republican conspiracy. What do you all think? All those who think that, stand up. Stand up. Okay? You think it is reason I'm having problems with the power, bill power? Okay. What did you remember, Thresher, Bishop, Griffin, Vogel? Very good. I like that. Actually, I just wanted to see it. Oh, okay. All right. Remember that this is serious business. Do not make it an afterthought. Stop off funding gains. Keep excellent records of finances. That's a very important one. And I've seen many libertarian things here where it's in a shoebox. It's easier to deal with the IRS than it is when you have politicians going after you directly with campaign finance laws and election laws. And one thing that can save you is if your records are great. If you do get a subpoena, if you do get in a mess, if you have to go to a hearing, if you can really prove the paper trail, prove what happened, why you did things, it probably was an innocent mistake and there's no big deal. Probably would make no mistake. So keep excellent records. Pause. Now, one thing is counter all deadlines. Somebody in your campaign has to do that. Eric, if you're running for county clerk, you just shouldn't do that. It should be your campaign manager whose job is to make sure that you have a counter and they're, they're abided by it. You can't worry about whether the campaign finance form is filed at the right time. Often remember that a lot of the deadlines are at 12 noon. Remember, this is government. It's not normal people. Okay, it's not end of the business day. 12 noon. 12.01 means late fine. 11.59 means on time, in the morning. Know how you do it. Sometimes you have to fax things, sometimes you can do it in person. Always ask for a file mark copy for your records and proof of filing. Why is that? Because sometimes they lose stuff. Campaign rule eight, do not forget campaign disclosure laws. You see the little things on the bottom? Paid for and authorized by the Libertarian Party of Indiana. It's required by law on anything of any significant size. 
There are things that are not required on, such as buttons, small stickers, pencils, and bumper stickers. Assume that all printed materials need a disclosure. There are some exceptions, but just assume that. You're safe. You don't have to deal with these people who are trying to hurt you. Um, basically, if it's practical to print it, then it should be printed on there. Voter registration, just real quickly, know the rules. Know the rules. Big penalties if you don't know the rules. And I'm about to the last thing. Here's the most important page. But that is where you can find all that stuff. Now, you notice I went general and stuff, and the reason I did it is because, again, it applies different ways to different things for different offices. But also, I want you to take one thing away from what I just talked about, and that is, don't assume, trust no one. My gosh, I sound like a libertarian. <laughs> That's the way to do things. But have your trusted advisors figure this out, look at it. The other thing is, People like Sam Goldstein, Tim McGuire, Allison McGuire, Todd Singer, Ed Angleton, we have either the hard way or the easy way to learn a lot of this stuff. Like, like we talked about the federal election law because of our friends McCain and Feingold, it's very difficult to navigate those waters. So we have brought on Todd Singer, who, as Mark mentioned, is one of the best federal election law guys in the nation, in the entire Libertarian Party, I should say. Um, I don't want to discredit you, but... You probably, you might be in the nation here. So, anyways, here's Todd Singer to talk about federal election law. What I usually do, we start off with a, a training session uh, in general, is, is you guys have all heard the saying, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. Uh, I think that's a terrible saying. Uh, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn to do it well. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't start anything, right? Because uh, <laughs> you can't do it right off the bat. Well, now I'm going to give you an exception to that rule. Federal Election Commission uh, reporting. You don't want to do it poorly because, as Mark alluded to, uh, there are heavy fines. The county and local races, it's usually not as big a deal as far as the scope, but the federal, the feds will, will uh, hit hard, and, and they don't even think that they're, you know, like Mark said, Ten to thirty thousand dollars. They just think that's a slap on the wrist because like, because the kind of money that they deal with um, is a lot larger than, than libertarian campaigns are used to raising. Um, in general, and when of course federal election, we're talking U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate. Um, if you guys are ever in a position to run for president or vice president, that would apply. But the trigger is five thousand dollars if you raise or spend more than that amount, you must file on a federal campaign. You must file with the FEC. Um, now, in reality, I'm not a lawyer. I, you know, I'm, I'm just an accountant. But the way that I read the law, even if you don't reach that threshold, the FEC can force you to produce the records that you would need to file anyway. So it's a good idea if, you, if you're going to run for that to just have the mindset, okay, I've, I've got to follow these rules. I have to keep a copy of all the checks. I can't take more than $50 in cash from any one person because that's, that's $50 is the maximum for a person. Anything more than that has to be a check. Can't be cash. Things like that. 
they're in the Canada Guide, and I would uh, encourage you to, to get that on the FEC.gov, the website. They've got the good Canada guys out there. Spend some time with them. Um, you know, I'm a slow reader, but an hour or two can get you through the, the most important things. And did we mention to not coordinate the state and federal campaigns? I'm not I, sure. I'm not sure if we mentioned that, <laughs> but if, if you've got a federal candidate and, and you've got a state and local candidate, do, do not coordinate between the two because it's, uh, it's a jumble. It's, uh, it's, it's not going to be worth trying to figure out. Uh, anyone who contributes $200 or more has to be identified along with their address, their employer, and their occupation. And that's the county year. So they give you $100, they write you a $100 check in June, then they write you another $100 check in July. You didn't have to report in June, but now you got to report in July. you got to report the $100 and this $200 here today. Um, the other tricky part of the law is what's referred to as federal election activity. And that can come into play with registration. Get out the vote efforts in particular will we'll, uh, qualify for federal election activity. If it happens within a certain amount, it's usually 60 days. But it can be any time leading up to a federal. So, so if you do registration, like Mark said, you want to get some legal advice. And uh, with federal ele election activity, there isn't actually a threshold. If you do any federal ele election activity, even if you spend the $500, you've got to file with the FEC. We talked about the fines, that so they're heavy. Um, and then my general rule is to file paperwork on time. I know that sounds kind of silly, but like Mark said, they've got rules. And if you stay within the rules, uh, you've got a, you know, a good chance of being okay. If you go out of the rules, their mindset usually is that they have to enforce the, the rule as written. So if it's a couple minutes late, it doesn't matter. It's a couple minutes late or if it's a day late. Uh, they will consider that a late filing, or it's called non-filing in, in FEC parlance. So get get your filings in on time with with the federal. It's usually usually at 11:59 p.m. That's usually the deadline. And um, if you file in paper, you actually can wait up till the day of and then do an overnight. As long as you overnight on that day, uh, you're still still protected. They still consider that to be on time. I mentioned the good resources out at fec.gov, and I think I'm going to cut off at that point because I don't know how, how many uh, federal campaigns we've, we've got. I know we've got one person at least. But Does anybody have questions for Mark or for Todd? Yeah. I have one for either of you. Could you guys uh, explain in-kind donations and how those sure. uh, maybe deal with? In-kind donations similar. Uh, it would be an example. A friend of yours pays for um, a conference room or, or a room at a restaurant. So they pay the restaurant $300 and then you have your campaign event on there. Even though you didn't collect the money, that's called an in-kind contribution. Somebody contributed to your campaign in kind of an indirect way. So what you do is you report the income and the expense. You report $300 of income and $300 of expense as in-kind and then We'll get that person's name, address, employer, occupation, et cetera. And what instances do they come after the uh, the candidate themselves as opposed to the treasurer or the manager? It's just that's how the law is written. And the treasurer is usually on the hook for the most likely, at least at least from the federal level. Um, Same for the state. It's the treasurer is the one who everything's pointed at the treasurer. The thought process, I think, behind that is like 
Sam mentioned, Canada's supposed to be talking to voters and, and asking for money. So it's expected that the treasurer is the one that's going to navigate the campaign finance laws. It's also financial checks and balance. And we'll see. I think we have Ron. Yeah, I know it's kind of a ridiculous question, but we're talking about dealing with the government. So what if someone doesn't have an occupation? Retired, housewife? Are those acceptable things yes. to put in that yes. spot? Yeah. So um, you, you need to put something down. And then you need to Whatever. Rush and supply. So they have to have something in the spot. put something. Yeah, so nothing is, something. Not, is not acceptable. Nothing's not. That's correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> No foreign nationals. So now, I know you guys didn't say it, but I, I got the impression that you can't have federal and, and state races coordinate. Yes. Um, the, what about, uh, as far as counting parties, I know in the past we put out like a list of all our candidates in a given year. Do we need to be careful about listing all, all the candidates together in one sheet? Well, you always have to be careful. But no, if it's a, if just a county race or, or just a local race, you're not going to usually run into anything. However, it's always good to keep in mind that, like, for 2010, that is a federal election. Because, because we did that last year. We listed Bob Barr and, and Wayne Amarud. Uh, and, and if right. you mention a federal candidate, all bets are off. Now, now you yeah, entered into the... Okay, just stand it out to pass it on. And I'm not talking about a candidate doing that. I'm not wondering about the, the county, the county party. Because how many of us are involved with the county party here? I mean... Yeah, slate... I'll have to get to the, there is, I think there actually is a specific yeah. issue with Slate. Yeah. One of the things I noticed last year was that our <clears throat> friends of Democrats here in Marion County had put out something like that with the Slate of Slate. all the county, all the people in the county that were running, which included the state reps and state uh, senators. Did it include the federal candidates? That yes, was the question. It, did. it did. Andre was on there. Yes, oftentimes, though, you'll look at that, you'll see that it was issued by the uh, Republican State Party or the Marion County Party that has an FEC arm of a Republican Party. You can, um, I know this is being videotaped, um, it, so from the standpoint of, is there some issues on can you just put a little bit in there? I haven't seen that, I haven't seen that prosecuted. I have seen it argued that it's okay, it's very minor. I've also seen other people in election law blogs argue that it doesn't matter. Okay. So is there some gray in there? Yes. Okay. I'd be glad to talk to you more later about this invite. In general, I would not mention federal candidates. Also, one other thing I want to mention, these blue cards that were passed out, if you see this is the second line, contributions are subject to the limits and prohibitions of the Federal Election Campaign Act. Anything in the federal candidate that you send out asking for money has got to have that on it. There's also some other wording that you could do alternatively, but that's the one that I chose. So take, you can take the blue, another reason to take these blue cards with you. And, uh, sorry, Eric, you had a question? Yeah, is there a certain type of banking account you need for these campaigns, or does it have to have, be in the name of the campaign itself, or do you do it for your personal account? Excellent question. Pretty much all federal and local law is you cannot commingle funds. So you want a separate account, okay. uh, committee to elect. Unfortunately, it's getting tougher and tougher at banks to open those types of accounts. So be prepared when you deal with the, you know, with the bank that you're going to have to have a certain amount of documents. You may have to get an SS4 from the IRS, um, which gives you a tax identification. It's not that hard. Just it's another step that you have to do. So if you're thinking, about, oh, I got to pay for that in two weeks, you know, you better hope, you better get the the uh, camp, uh, campaign open now.
If you're thinking death by a thousand small cuts, it is. I mean, all these things are really easy. It's just that there's so many of them. Which is why you want to check out the finance manuals on FEC.gov and at the Secretary of State that's posted behind you. If you go read those documents, for the most part, they will tell you what you need to know. So it, it's it's not, it, there are a lot of things you have to know, but they're out there for you. You know what's scary, buddy? But we yeah. want you to realize that there are consequences if you don't jump through the hoops that they're going to set out for us. Yeah, I, I have a quick question. Now, if you're running for a federal office, and I'm trying to look at the website to find this answer, but if you're running for a federal office, do you have to worry about state laws? Yes. So you do have to be aware of but everything. In general, the federal law is going to override. However, um, you, know, you, you, have, you have to at least be cognizant that. Is that a fair statement? Or, I mean, you can't, like, you know. It depends on the law. I mean, when it comes to the finance law, campaign finance law, the state of Indiana, you can ignore that. You follow the federal finance, campaign finance law. When it comes to your behavior at a polling place, where you can or can't be, the state law applies. Sure. For example, uh, in Indiana, a candidate can get a donation from a corporation. No problem. Mm -hmm. you know, but up to $1,000. Up to $1,000. As a federal candidate, it's, it, I won't say it's no good, but it, it's practically useless. There are certain things that you can use uh, corporate money from, but... Uh, but in general, it's not gonna, you're not going to be able to spend on what you want to. And, and one thing I'd like to mention, because so, I don't want anybody scared, is that we've had an awful lot of people who became treasurers became quite good. Why were they good at it? They read the manual for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then they kind of followed what was said on that, and they took it seriously, and that was their job. Um, I, I've been campaign treasurer on a couple of Secretary of State campaigns, and, uh, other, and I just read the manual to figure out what it was. I, now, I... I, I was a lawyer, so I understood the legalese, and if I didn't understand something, I could go back, look at the statutes and cases to get a better understanding. So I was kind of lucky in those points. But most people, it's just if you just concentrate on it, you'll do very, very well. Just use good practices. Keep records. Follow the laws. Keep deadlines. Things that most businesses have to do all the time. And, and for state questions, for state candidates, Dale Simmons and Leslie Barnes, they're the Democrat and... Uh, well, Republican and Democrat co-counsels, respectively, at the state election board. That's Dale Simmons and Leslie Barnes. They are fantastic. Pam Potest and Brad King are the election division commissioners. They're fantastic. They will answer your questions in a timely manner. They're very friendly. They're very helpful. We have a good relationship with them. Do not be afraid to call the election division if you have questions, if, if we can't answer them. I mean, but so, but don't be afraid to call the election division and ask any questions. Ed, yeah. One other thing, too, when you're filing your finance forms with the state, they do have an option where you can file them electronically. They have a, matter of fact, it's kind of nice because it remembers what your last filing was. So it just picks up from there, and all you have to do is add in everything that happened between that filing and the new filing, and It'll update all the, the numbers for you. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. I didn't mention it, but that's a new, one of the things Indiana's being good at is getting that, that done. That, however, is not for county offices. Mm -hmm. That's, that's only for state rep, that's state, we're at uh, state senate, yeah. and statewide offices. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, I know that Mark kind of scared people in going through his presentation, and, and Todd did also. 
Honestly, I've run several campaigns, as I mentioned earlier, and it's not all that difficult as long as you do it on an ongoing basis, which Mark said. Uh, these are the, this is one form is the itemized expense form for any state campaign. For Indiana, federal campaign is a different story, but for be you running for Township Advisory Board or Governor of Indiana, this is your expenditure form that you have in front of you or over the table. It's pretty simple. Who gave you the money? Where'd the money go? What their occupation is? What kind of an expenditure is? How much was it? It's pretty simple. The contribution forms are the same. There's one, the most one, the one that you're going to use most often is the one for individual con contributions. On a rare occasion, you might get some PAC money. On a rare occasion, you might get some corporation money. I doubt you're going to get any union money running as a libertarian, but you know, miracle has happened. We have, yeah. Uh, and that's, again, pretty self explanatory. Who gave you the money? What's their address? What's their occupation? How much did they give you at this point in time? How much have they given you total? And, and you just keep a running total. As long as you keep those forms up on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whatever, when it comes time to actually file the campaign finance form with all the stuff behind it, the receipts of the political campaign committee shouldn't take you that long. Many of our campaigns will be running on zero dollars or less than a few or a few hundred dollars. And really, it's not that hard to put zeros all over this form and send it in. <coughs> but you just got to do it on time. But that's a good point, Sam. If, even if you say, if it's zero, file. Yeah. yeah. If you're ever in doubt about something, file. File it on time. On time. You, you will not get penalized for over They honestly, you could commit a felony as one of the former Indianapolis City County Counselors did on these forms, but at least what I consider a felony, because he lied on the form and we caught him on it and he went back and amended it. He filed on time though. It was timely, so they didn't give a damn what was on the form until we, until Brad Hoppenstein found the, the felony lies on it and turned Alleged it felony lies. Alleged lies. Alleged lies. Alleged lies. Alleged lies. And he was allowed to go back in and amend his form, and the Marion County Election Board said, oh, that's all right, we're not even going to fine you for it, and the prosecutor declined to prosecute. Uh, so, but he did file the forms on time, so the county election board really didn't care what was on the form. And there is a calendar on that guide. So, uh, thank. Let's thank Todd and Mark. For